0: The real estate market is booming whether you look in the suburbs or the city chicago continues to expand creating incredible opportunities for those in the know we'll connect with chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the real estate moguls podcast
1: I am Alicia Dale. Welcome to the Real Estate Mogul podcast. And today we have Lindsay Gould, real estate broker. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Can't wait to hear your story. Now, I know you kind of have a a little bit of an unusual story of how you got into real estate. And you came into Chicago in the worst possible market in 2008. Tell us a little bit about how you landed this and, and where you got to be now.
0: Yeah, so I kind of moved to Chicago on a whim, had some friends living here, a unit next door came available, and my best friend and I decided in about a week to rent the place and find jobs. So I took one of the first jobs I could find. It was working with an architect that had an office building in the West Loop. And funny enough, they shared space with two real estate agents, a real estate attorney, and a real estate developer. So I got to know all of them pretty well because it was a very tight-knit office space. And my owner of the architect company was also a general contractor. So as we all know, during that time, nothing really was selling. So he slowed down significantly because the majority of his money was coming from these projects and I started working with some of the real estate agents that were also in the building. And I kind of grew from there. I started doing some assisting. I met my now business partner through them. I got licensed and then here we are 2023 and I'm still in real estate.
1: Wow. So people today are saying it's a tough market with interest rates hovering between six and 7%. What's your perspective on that based on the fact you started in one of the worst markets ever?
0: Yeah. So I fortunately, I think going through that time period as a new agent, I learned a lot because we had a lot of time. But I also didn't know how good it could have been. So I had so many agents that I met during that 2008, 2009 time period who kept comparing it to when, you know, multiple offers and so many people at every open house and nothing stayed on the market. Well, I knew nothing of that. And so my whole career was basically on an incline. And then I would say COVID and now the last couple of years, we've definitely seen some major shifts. And I think um, with the interest rates, it's definitely obviously we've gone up. But I've got a lot of clients or my parents who've paid 10, almost 20% interest for their home. So if you look at interest rates as a whole, we're still in a really good spot. But that doesn't make it easy for buyers who were looking when they were approved at 3.5% and all of a sudden it was 6.5%. So we do have to be mindful of those buyers. But I also think buyers who just started looking don't know any different as well to what their monthly payment could be.
1: Sure. So you're able to really walk them through that and guide them and show them all the different options.
0: Yeah. And I think lenders have gotten really creative with different programs, with putting more less money down. So that can be helpful in a lot of different scenarios. And we're still hopeful that it will go down and you can refinance later.
1: That's a really good plan. So in addition to your work with real estate, and I can't imagine because you're such a busy woman, you actually are a co-creator of a nonprofit, Reconnect. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes. So I was on the board of my, the brokerage that I work for for many, many years and met some awesome people and had some really great experiences with other local Chicago charities. And my business partner, who I've worked with now for almost 15 years, started a charity 10 years ago. And their main focus there was partnering with local communities and really funding those who are on the ground, who are working with the youth, who are working with the homeless and the hungry. And so this is something that myself and my two co-founders of Reconnect Chicago really spoke to us. And so we branched off from our brokerage charity, and we started our own in 2020, when everyone kind of had a little bit more time. And we wanted to figure out what was best for us on how to help more people and how we could utilize our networks to help more people. And last year... 2022 we raised almost $20,000 every penny went back and really the main focus for us now is youth in Chicago so last year we focused on foster care we focused on CPS giving back to school kits and then we did our second annual winter warm drive so we're planning to keep doing that on an annual basis because there are so many kids in need in the city especially now more than ever
1: that is so true. My goodness. Um, what a wonderful initiative. And it's only three years old, isn't that correct?
0: Yeah, just three years old. Again, we started in COVID and we're really expanding every year and we're trying to kind of get our business model set set it and forget it so we can really be reaching out to as many of these local charities as we can to try to see how we can help, how we can connect our networks to their networks. So another big thing that we're trying to do is just not just raise funds for these organizations. It's connecting my clients to the these charitable organizations so then they can do their own thing. Maybe they support in their own way or they have a day of giving or they have a volunteer day. So it's really trying to pay it forward instead of just us helping once or twice a year. It's introducing them to other corporations, individuals that can keep it going.
1: Wow, what a great model! It really builds upon itself, and the network just keeps growing and growing. So the pattern I see here is you started real estate in two thousand and eight. You started a nonprofit in COVID, the worst possible times to start initiatives. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to follow their dreams of of achieving what they wanted to achieve? And you know, kind of in, in your model of not even knowing that these are really bad times to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say just start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. I think most of us sit and stew on things and think about it a little longer or you know, even a, something small as, oh, I'd love to visit this country and learn more about it. Well, I don't have the time right now. I don't have the funds right now. I don't know where to go or where to begin. So it's really just starting And for me, especially with Reconnect Chicago, it was working with my two co-founders and just starting somewhere. Whether we raised $100 that year or almost $20,000, that wasn't our main focus. It was just getting out there and doing something to make a difference. And in the real estate side, it was just meeting one person, you know, Um, going to a class to learn a little bit more, have lunch with someone who's been in the industry for 30 years, you know, learn as much as you can, but just do one small thing every day or every week. And then that will lead you towards what you're trying to get to a lot sooner than just sitting on your couch, thinking about it every day and dreaming about it. Um, It
1: really um, kind of keeps you moving forward. I love that advice. Uh just uh, taking action and moving forward. Any insights about what to do on the dark days when you're just like, oh, I have no ideas, I can't think of it? Um. Yeah, I think really
0: just for me, I know writing things down, journaling, visioning them, but then making, again, it's really making those small steps to lead you to your bigger goals. Because I think a lot of us have, you know, two or three big goals for the year or all these New Year's resolutions, well, you don't really map out how you're going to get there. It's just, oh, I need to sell $20 million this year. I want X amount of money in my bank account or whatever that goal is, which is great to have goals. But I think you really need to sit down and figure out how do I want to get there? Or maybe that big number is for five years and I can divvy that up. What am I going to do this year? So then you're still kind of cheerleading yourself along the way and you have less moments where you're disappointed in something where you quote unquote failed when really you just didn't give yourself the time to take those smaller steps to get to that bigger goal.
1: That's really outstanding advice. In addition to your own mindset and kind of keeping a positive mindset, did you have like a group of people that you relied on that were like, Lindsay, you can do it? and Oh, yeah. I
0: think the older you get, the more you realize you don't need a million people around you. You know, I have like my core 10 who I talk to on a regular basis. They were my COVID bubble. <laughs> and they may not have the exact same goals that I do, but... They have similar ideals in their life and in their career, and we are very good at pushing each other and encouraging each other without, again, creating that sense of failure. And it is so important to have people around you who just want to build you up especially when you have those moments and everybody has those moments of doubt or fear and especially going through something like COVID where you're more alone with your own thoughts and it's it's great to have that tight-knit group to really catapult you into those positive days and you know, hopefully those days where you're really reaching those goals and those people are there behind you kind of patting you on the back. Real estate's one of those careers where there's not that many people behind you cheering you on. So I'm thankful I've got my team and I've got a small
1: group around me that really uh, help me every day. I, that's just so wonderful, and I agree with you, to have those same people with similar visions that are kind of building you up. Do you have any stories to share from Reconnect of, of, um, you know, where the resources have gone from, you know, the the fundraising that you've done and the events that you've had?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, so we did an event in this summer where we were doing back-to-school kits, and those went back to different CPS classrooms. And in addition to being able to provide the kits, we provided words of encouragement with each kit. So we took the time, and our clients and our friends came and took the time to write notes and draw pictures. And so that was awesome. And we also raised extra funds to where we were able to help out teachers, so individual classrooms. And I think a lot of times we focus on the children, but it's also the teachers that don't have all of these resources financially to give the kids what they need to be inspired on a daily basis. And that task is huge. So we were able to give to nine different classrooms and clear out their wish lists. So that was so rewarding. And also getting the emails and the notes and the letters back from the teachers and the students, um, it really makes you realize how much of a difference you can make and we love sharing that with everyone who helps us financially volunteers their time um, because all every single person helped make that come
1: true i I love that you included the adults in the program. I think particularly teachers um, they're under the the gun of you know they need to do more and they're not doing enough and they have so much pressure and Um, To actually include them and recognize them, I'm sure, was so meaningful to them while they, you know, find time to help the kids. Yeah,
0: I think they are definitely acknowledged, but not necessarily
1: given the resources that they need along with the students. Sure. So I know the rental market is really hot right now. Do you have any insights on the rental market? Oh my gosh. Um, it's inventory is low altogether on sale
0: and rent, but the rental market has just really significantly increased. Definitely one of the factors is the higher interest rate. So a lot of renters have decided to kind of wait it out and not move. So they're staying where they are, which... In turn, creates less inventory on the rental side, and that means numbers can go up. So I've gotten in many multiple offer situations on rentals. Wow! Um, Over the last 18 months, it's significantly increased. Uh, I will say, um, from a Chicago standpoint, it's still a great thing. We've got a lot to offer investors here. Which bigger cities they have a lot of rent control, which we don't have, and I'm really hoping we continue that. It's definitely something that's been talked about. So hoping that we can continue without that because it really attracts investors here,
1: whether it's on small scale or large scale, and you can really build wealth that way. Any specific type of investments you think that people should be taking a look at?
0: Uh, I honestly, I think anything is worth taking a look at. I know I have a lot of clients looking at three flats so they can live in one and rent out the other two. Hopefully that takes care of their mortgage. Usually in those, you might be getting something a little older. So it's just something to be mindful about doing an inspection, knowing what you're getting into from a cost perspective. But a condo could be something great. Um, where it's maybe a little bit less maintenance, a lot of the utilities may already be included. You might pay a little bit more, but right now you should be able to get a higher return on your investment. So that's something I'm encouraging people to look at. But again, on the inspection side, make sure you have your inspector look over other things going on in the building because some things that I've purchased in the past were overlooked. And yes, a condo definitely covers things outside of your unit, but it could you know, end up being a special assessment or something like that. So you just always want to be
1: mindful of these small things that can turn into larger things cost-wise. And you're not just limited to Chicago. I've seen on your social media channels that you're all over the suburbs and... Um yeah. So I'm all over Illinois. I'm licensed also in Indiana.
0: I grew up in Indianapolis. So I've done a lot of f- buyers in Northwest Indiana. So Munster, Dyer, Cheraville, um, Hammond. So with the train, it makes it very easy and it's also not a bad commute. It's less than 40 minutes. So I've had a ton of Chicago buyers who are looking also out in the suburbs take a look at Northwest Indiana. So I've done a lot of referrals with other Illinois agents. My business partner is also licensed in Michigan and Indiana. So we're trying to cover the, or excuse me, Michigan and Florida. So we're covering like the surrounding states here. And then she's had a lot of clients, whether it be buying a second home or something like that down in Florida as well. And she might be looking at California. So just trying to really cover as much as we can, but still being present and making sure we're
1: available for our clients that are here locally, too. Nice. Now, I know people are spending time um, at home more than they ever have been before. How has that changed what they're looking for in the market?
0: Yeah, so again, going back to Indiana, that is something that I've had a lot of clients never think about. But now that they're working from home for sometimes every day, five days a week, they're less concerned about the commute, so they can go a little bit further out. Maybe that's even other suburbs of Illinois, so it could save them a little money. They might be able to get a yard and a larger single family. Um, I have seen a lot of clients coming start coming back to the city, which I am personally hopeful that that happens. You know, at least a little more than part time because just kind of walking around the loop it seems still a little vacant and I love it especially when it gets nicer out to see a lot of people out and about and really enjoying the beautiful city but it's given people a lot more flexibility on where they can be. And it's not just, oh, I have to live eight minutes from the train anymore. So I think it's really opened up some people's locations and giving them some more opportunity to be in a place that they really want to and
1: that they can afford. That makes a lot of sense. So what advice would you give to people who wanted to break into real estate um, So first, I would say
0: find someone that's been in the industry for a long time and ask them questions, really pick their brain, because those are the people who have seen the ups and downs of the market. And I think that is something... For me, getting into it when I did, I had, I guess I would call it a luxury of getting into a down market where it gave me time to learn from other people, but it also showed me what it could be. And it wasn't just always sunshine and rainbows, and everything was up and rates were low, and there was tons of things available um, because it can be the complete opposite side of it. And I meet a lot of younger realtors who expect to do well in a year or two. And it really takes three to five years to grow your business, to get people to know what you do and to really find your niche. So I would say not doing something quickly and really learning as much as you can from someone who's experienced. And don't be afraid to ask another realtor because they uh, should be more than open to talking with you. And another thing I would say is just just be a good person, be kind. You will work with this pool of agents for the rest of your career. And so you will see them again. You will lose a deal to them. You will be in a multiple offer situation with them. It really makes a difference how you treat others. So going back to that golden rule, it, it really rings true in this profession because sadly, a lot of people, and I learned this through a class I took, they compare realtors to to car salesmen. Mm. And I feel like most of us, if you think of a car salesman, you don't have a positive image. And that is something I would never want myself, my clients, my team, anyone to think that's how I work. And so it really does matter how you treat
1: others and um, in every transaction. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, what is your vision for the future? What's next?
0: Yeah, well, probably, I mean, our team is, again, trying to expand to other states. Mine would be really focusing on the Indiana market and seeing how I can grow myself there with also being present in Illinois, but hopefully getting a referral basis going with other agents here to Indiana. And just growing as a team. I mean, we've been doing really well. And, you know, maybe we'll try to acquire a few more other agents on our group. And then focusing on ReConnect Chicago and just seeing how many lives we can support and how many people we can meet and what we
1: can do. Because I think now more than ever, Chicago could really use um, our help. So if people are looking to buy, to rent, to support, reconnect, or learn more about how you've started your career, how can they find you?
0: Yes, yeah, so we have a webpage for our group. It's called M as in Mary, B as in boy, luxurygroup.com. That is our website. My name is Lindsay Gould. My email is lindsay at mbluxurygroup.com. We've got reconnectchicago.org, all of the good things out there. And social there. media? And social media, yes, is just under my name, Lindsay Gould, and also for Reconnect, it's just Reconnect Chicago. And is that on Instagram,
1: Facebook, Yes, we're on LinkedIn. Instagram,
0: Facebook, LinkedIn, um, everywhere.
1: I've got great um, co-founders who are very detailed in that. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming today, sharing your story. I know a lot of people are going to be inspired by this, and and we can't wait to follow your success.
0: Great. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. It was wonderful talking to you.